And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of <coughs> guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And welcome aboard on this Saturday, August 24th. Stan the Fan, Craig Heist, your bat around guys are here for the next two hours. And we've got a really good show for you today. We welcome you aboard into the live casino hotel studios. And we remind you, as we always do at the beginning of every show, or at least when we remember to, to please like and share the show on your Facebook Live page. Because <laughs> when you get two guys 60 and older, sometimes we forget to. <laughs> Are you older than 60 now? Uh, no, I'm 60 even. You're 60 even? Yeah. Okay, so you're not older than 60. No, so it's all uphill from here. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. Stay in the fan, Craig Heist. I say we've got a good show for you. Rich Dubroff will join us from BaltimoreBaseball.com. Uh, apparently, uh, at least on MLBTradeRumors.com, it was his reporting that led the way yesterday about the Orioles and their purge of some of the scouting department that they have and the uh, decision to move on from some people uh, that Craig and I know pretty well. And uh, I think uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to Rich about that. Craig and I can get into it for a minute, but I just want to get through. Uh, the other guest at 1040 joining us will be Steve Johnson, the son of Oriole right-hander Dave Johnson. Okay. And Steve was an Oriole right-hander as well. And Steve has taken over his dad's sort of teaching uh, facility, which is at the, which is at the jo- Johnson household. And he has started something called Optimal Baseball Performance. And we will talk to Steve about that. Uh, we'll tell you that if you're interested in looking it up, the Facebook page is, what did I say that was? The optimal, go ahead, Griffin. O- optimal Baseball. Optimal Baseball. Facebook.com slash Optimal Baseball. Facebook.com slash Optimal Baseball. All right? Yep. You can look that up. We'll tell you how to get in touch with Steve. And Steve will talk to us uh, today at 1040. Uh, and then he's got about an 1105 uh, teaching lesson. So um, that's what Steve is into and we'll uh, spread the word. At 11.05, while Steve Johnson is teaching his student, Mr. Heist and I will be in the class of one Richard Justice right. from MLB.com, and that is a, a great learning class. That is it? a great learning class. Always interesting to have Richard on and uh, have him uh, uh, give his thoughts on what's going on around Major League Baseball. And uh, now that the Nationals have opened up a two-game lead in the wild card in terms of the top spot in right. the wild card race. Uh, I, I think it would be interesting now to see what he has to say about this team now that they're a season-high 13 over 500. And they are really playing. And as good as their pitching been, Craig, um, they are getting, speaking of optimal baseball performance, Steve getting- Johnson's, they're getting some optimal offensive performance. Indeed, they are. Are they and averaging like over seven runs? Well, a they're, game? they're they're averaging close to ten over the last ten to ten to twelve games. So, again, there have been several wins during this streak, and they've won, uh, I believe, now ten of twelve, and they've 
averaged uh, about 10 runs a game, and there have been several games during that streak where they've scored 10 or more. So, again, the offense really clicking for Dave Martinez right now. And when you throw in what Anibal Sanchez did yesterday at Wrigley Field, he goes eight and a third. That takes a lot of pressure off the bullpen and allows you to have the kind of day that you had. Now, I'm not suggesting that Dave Martinez, and again, I haven't even met Dave Martinez. I don't go down to the Nationals Park on a regular basis uh, to cover the Nationals. Um, but the the guy that I saw during the 2018 baseball season always seemed, uh, and I referred to it on the air often, looked like he had a deer in the headlights look in his eyes. His answers were very defensive with reporters after games and when you'd see clips of them before games. And I saw that the first six, seven weeks of this season, that same Dave Johnson, I mean, that same Dave Martinez, but I saw that he was a little bit more comfortable in his own skin in the job. And, Craig, when that team went on that – when that team – Um, uh, I saw him uh, begin when when that team went 25-10 and before the All-Star game. I saw him play some absolutely phenomenal – I I saw him much more comfortable with himself. I think so. And, I mean, I think that's all part of getting used to what was going on. He'd been a bench coach for – uh, nine years or so under Joe Madden, uh, not just in Tampa, but in Chicago with the Cubs. And when he got here, everybody said, well, you know, he's an analytical guy, and that's one of the reasons why he was hired and one of the reasons why Dusty Baker was let go, which I still don't buy. But, <laughs> you know, the, the bottom line to it is, I mean, I don't think with all of that experience in terms of being on the bench and seeing what one of the top managers around the game in the last decade has done, I don't think Dave Martinez got stupid overnight. I think he always had an idea and a vision of what he wanted to do and how he wanted to run this team. But then last year, of course, they didn't play as well as they thought they were going to. The injuries cropped up. Well, they, the injuries cropped up again this year. Yeah. But he's a little bit better equipped to handle it with a bigger, with, with a much more experienced bench and I think that's gone a long way. And, you know, say what you want to about the bullpen, it's still going to come down to guys out in the bullpen performing. And over the course of this season, they just haven't performed as well as you would like. But he's, he's got a pretty good handle on what's going on with that club. Tell me, though, when, when they let go of uh, Derek Lilliquist uh-huh. and they put in Paul, Paul uh, Menhart. Menhart to be the pitching coach, give me a percentage that you thought that Dave Martinez – at that time. Now, I know you're pretty conservative when it comes to changing managers, but tell me at that time, did you think Dave Martinez was long for that job? Well, at 19 and 31, no, and and the mounting pressure was certainly there. But, I mean, to Mike Rizzo's credit, he stayed the course, and he was uh, publicly supportive of Davey. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, mean anything. Uh, right. You can get that vote of confidence and be be out the door shortly thereafter, but you know I I think that he was under on the hot seat there yes, but at no point in time did I think he was going to get fired unless the thing totally went south, and before you know it, you know you take it when they were twelve under five hundred and ten games out in the East, and then you go from that point 
So being 13 May, May, games May the 24th up until this point, and there's a two-month stretch of playing 700 baseball. Right. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's a 25-game swing, essentially. Absolutely, to go 12 yeah. under to 13 over. That's why I take such exception to people that sit there and say, and, and you mean like me? Well, no. Well, may, maybe like you. I don't know. Yeah. But I certainly work with two of them down at, at 106.7. The fan, two people that I admire and, and adore, and Grant and Danny. And, uh, but they were, you know, when they're 19 and 31, oh, you know what they have to do to get back in this race, bro? I said, yeah. And it happens a lot of times in the game of baseball yep. because okay. it's 162 <clears throat> and it's a grind and it's day in and day out. This. A lot of fans around here sometimes, both Oriole fans and national fans, forget to realize this ain't the NFL. And there's games every single day, and it's not, well, we lost this week. What are we going to do? we got to wait till next week to redeem ourselves. Doesn't work that way in baseball. Yeah, you grind. You keep you, grinding, you grind all, yeah. and all of a sudden you win 8 out of 10, and then the next week you win 4 and lose 2. You're the right next back week in you go, things, yeah, right. All of a Absolutely. sudden you're back in it. All right, well. Uh, the Nationals have played some terrific, terrific baseball. Um, wrapping up the show today at 11.35, we haven't had him on for a couple months, uh, is Andy Dolich, a former executive in all four major sports. He worked for the Oakland A's in baseball, the San Francisco 49ers in baseball, Washington Capitals in hockey, and the Memphis Grizzlies in basketball. He's had a career in sports marketing and sports business. Uh, par- uh, I'll take him as uh, up there with the best in the uh, the history of sports. Andy Dolich will join us. He's now a consultant out in the San Francisco, Oakland Bay Area uh, and does a lot of interesting things. Uh, we'll talk to him uh, later this morning at 11.05. But first, uh, uh, Rich Dubroff's going to talk to us in about six or seven minutes, Craig. Did um, did the the announcement yesterday and the Elias presser? I was not at the park all this week, and I wasn't there dealing. when I wasn't there when Mike talked. Right, but I to, seem to miss all of Mike's pressers. But to me, this was something that I don't think really shocked anyone. No. I think uh, you know we kind of knew at some point changes would be coming, and he would want to bring in his own people. Uh, you know, the two people that. I probably have more sympathy for than anyone Trip else. Norton. Or Trip Norton and, and uh, Dean Albany. And Dean Albany. Yeah, those are the ones we know. Right, yeah. those are the ones that we know. We're very close to, and uh, they've been around uh, for a long time. I mean, Dean's doing this twenty years for one organization. So I mean, it's it's a. Uh, you know, I texted Dean, and yeah. uh, you know, I'm I'm very on board with what the Orioles are doing right now. Ownership and and management. The, the way they're they're doing this rebuild, I think it's long overdue, Craig. But I have to tell you, I texted Dean because he's a longtime friend, uh, and I said, hey, um, you know, uh, I just hope you, you land on your feet, and uh, I'm thinking of you. I wanted to let you know. And he said, hey, thanks a lot, Stan. He texted me back. He goes, it's been an honor to work for the Orioles for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and that's the way to handle – a dismissal, a release, uh, you know, shoot, firing back at people ends up making you look bad. It does, but then there are certain circumstances where that kind of thing is warranted, okay? This was not one of those times in that I, th- I think almost anybody who knew when this regime took over that there weren't changes coming 
were, were just fooling themselves. Yeah. The other part of that, though, is I, I also think he has a lot of respect for what Mike Elias and, and Sigmidel are, are doing, are doing yeah. to, the, to try to get this thing righted. And I, I think you can see, but, but le, let's not make any mistake about this. Some of what is in the minor league system, okay, that they have to work with right now, and I'm specifically talking about pitching at this point, you know, you, 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 can, you can flip the pages back in a few years and say, well, you know, those two guys were, you know, a, a part of seeing some of this come to fruition. Yeah. And, you know, so from that standpoint, I mean, they well, should be like- sad, yes. But the other point about this, too, is what he said yesterday, and I'm talking about Elias, is saying we did this now so that guys, and we will help them, Try to land on their feet elsewhere in in Major League Baseball. Yeah, you would think that Dean Albany will have very little trouble hooking on, and the most likely scenario is that he ends up with the Philadelphia Phillies. Well, he yeah. knows Matt Klentak. He knows um, uh, Andy McPhail. Uh, and, you know, to your point about giving some of these scouts credit for what we have in the system, let's not forget that one of the things that was attractive to me about Dan Duquette was Dan never was a me, 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 uh, pointing only to himself. He always gave credit to Andy and the and the people right. in place storing Andy's regime. <laughs> Didn't give much credit to Buck, though. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Nor did Buck give him Man, a lot man of he credit. Right. Yeah. He's not, I think that was a two-way street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their oars were not exactly in the same water. In the, in the same, <laughs> they weren't even in the same body. They weren't not only... In opposite directions, they weren't even in the same body yeah. of water. I don't think you know they were on and, different and, and ships. And let's let's not forget that that uh, <laughs> one of the people let go yesterday was Buck Showalter's son. Yes, yeah. yes, that's not that's the least no, surprising. and that's the least surprising yeah. Of, yeah. of all of it. Yeah. And you know what they allowed him to do though? They allowed Nathan Showalter, who's a nice kid. They allowed him to get a little bit of a body of work together. Uh, so it wasn't just the only work for the Orioles when his dad was there. Right. They gave him a year, you know, of, um, you know, sort of to, to make his mark a little bit. Yeah. So anyway, a sad a sad day in Birdland, but part and parcel of a rebuild are days like that. So um, Rich Dubroff is just around the corner. And is he there now? All right. Rich Dubroff is joining us right now. And Rich... Um, uh, you know, I wasn't at the ballpark much, to, well, at all this week, uh, so I missed some of the comings and goings. Did this all come as a, a shocker to anybody, uh, the, the moves uh, in the scouting department and other portions of the baseball operation? Not, real, not really, Stan. Uh, you know, you never know the timing of those things, but you knew that uh, the changes were, were going to be afoot. Uh, and for you know most of the li- for most of the listeners, the names are are not people that uh, that they're familiar you know that they're familiar with. Um, but you know people, um, longtime Maryland uh, baseball people know Dean Albany, of course, and that that was a little bit of a surprise just because he has uh, you know deep institutional knowledge of of the team and and of Maryland. Uh, and, and but the others, survived. I think, were not uh, were not a huge surprise because you, you saw the direction they were going in. I think. Yeah, I mean, and Dean also survived a couple other shifts in in management. Uh, he stayed on when Andy McPhail came. He stayed on when Dan Duquette. So you begin to think that maybe he's part of the furniture 
but clearly. Well, uh, I think they have new furniture. I think they yeah. have new furniture now. Stan. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, your thoughts um, immediately on the timing of this? Um, it, it does seem like it's the fairest thing to do, rather than waiting till the end of the season. Yeah, uh, you know, and it gives uh, the Orioles a chance to get some, maybe some new people in uh, before the end of, uh, well, before the end of the season, uh, so they can start, uh, so they can they can start evaluating. Uh, and last year, uh, Michael Elias wasn't hired until the middle of November, which. Uh, was the you know which was already the end of the hiring cycle, so he really couldn't hire uh, a lot of new people because uh, the uh, the holdover Orioles uh, who were who were just let go had uh, had just been renewed for this season, so it made it made things uh, unwieldy for Elias. I mean the timing was uh, right. w- was not great for him putting together staff, and uh, I'm sure now the uh, the minor leagues. Will uh, will be his uh, his next uh, his next uh, point of attention. Rich, Rich, let me ask you this, and that's that you know you know with with two guys that Stan and I and you know very well uh, in in Dean Albany and Trip. Uh, when you look back at it now, knowing what some of these guys are doing in the farm system, especially at Delmarva, uh, some some at Bowie. Uh, you can probably look back on this in a in a couple of years and say, well, you know, yeah, they they had their fingerprints on some of these guys. So from that standpoint, you know, while it's a sad day for them, I, I think from from you know the development standpoint, uh, they they did get some fairly decent talent for them to work with a little bit. For for who to work with? For the Orioles to work with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that. Uh, you know, I, I think that you know the the last three Dan Duquette drafts uh, in particular are are pretty interesting because they uh, you know they came up with a lot of pit- they, they came up with a lot of pitchers like uh, Keegan Aiken and Michael Bauman, uh, Zach uh, Zach Lothar, Cody Sedlock, uh, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, who uh, are uh, you know all uh, you know interesting prospects. So. I think it's going to take a few more years for you to accurately uh, assess the Duquette years, but um, you know neither Trip nor Dean really was involved in uh, you know in the development of uh, of these guys. But I think that you look at the the farm system, uh, you know some of the people in the Oriole farm system, and they may be uh, you know they may be uh, the next to go. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, and, and again that, that's expected because. Uh, Mike came in, and and all these guys were hired for, for next year. They did bring in a handful uh, of new people, though. There are a few coaches in the minor league system who uh, who were brought in by uh, you know by Michael Elias and 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 Sig, and Sig Meidel. You know the 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 one that always got me was, and I got to know Rick Peterson a, a little bit over the past couple of years. And I'm not saying that Rick isn't a self promoter. But in talking to him and getting to know him, observing how far apart Buck and Dan were on one particular hire like that, albeit a very important one, you know, the organizational pitching coach, uh, said a lot to me. And I imagine that Brandon Hyde 
Mike Elias, Sig Madoff are kind of all on the same page with a guy like Chris Holt. Well, yeah, and of course, uh, Peterson was was let go uh, during the Duquette, you know, during the Duquette era. Yeah, the, the latter stages, and you know, for people who would have said, well, uh, you know, well, these are all Dan, you know, Dan drafted real well. Well, there was, as you know, and you just mentioned, quite a lot of discord. Yeah. Between the Showalter factions and the Duquette factions, uh, not just between the two of them, right? Uh, between their, and, between the people that were disciples of theirs, right? So and, and because of that, um, that's why you know that's why both Dan and Buck were um, were let go concurrently. Yeah, and and it's a move. Although I respect both of them a great deal, I think the fact that they put their own factions and own opinions above the the good of the team so to speak well they, I thought th- that- they but actually they thought that they were that they thought that their opinions were the were for the good of the team right, but- and, and that's even <laughs> right. you know and, and that's even more important yes uh i mean they really had fundamental fundamental disagreements yep. and you know i mean we can go over you know and we will i'm sure for years um the legacies uh, of uh, of buck and dan but you know, there was sort of the first few years where everything worked well. Yep. And, until it didn't. Until it didn't. <laughs> it was pretty sudden. We're talking with Rich Dubroff, who's done a tremendous job uh, in the year and a half he's taken over at BaltimoreBaseball.com after a two-year, uh, nearly a two-year uh, stay with us at Pressbox. We're good friends, Rich Dubroff and I. You've done a terrific job uh, with the site and keeping things current. Uh, tell us um, a little bit about what you expect over this next month of the season. Well, I ex- I think that I think that you're going to see a little more of what you've seen since June. Uh, I think the first, you know, the the season sort of can be divided into, you know, the first couple of months of the season where where they brought in a, a bunch of players who didn't work out, and then June when they started slowly bringing in um, players like uh, Anthony Santander and Chance Sisko and DJ Stewart, who they want to see more of, you know, they want to see more of to see what they can do. And then it was, uh, uh, it, it was pointed out even more uh, exemplified, even more last weekend when Hunter Harvey uh, came up. And so, and there's a possibility that, you know, a week from now, Ryan Mountcastle is going to come up. So I think what you're seeing, you know, what you've been seeing in the last couple of months and what you will see for the last five weeks are, you know, the younger players getting extended, you know, extended looks. You know, see if they can... if they can be a factor here. Right. Let me ask you about Mountcastle. Uh, offensively, the numbers are, have been really good down there, and uh, uh, I think everybody kind of, along with Hunter Harvey, these are two guys that a lot of fans clamor about wanting to see up here. And and don't leave out Dylan Tate. Dylan Tate. And yeah. Dylan Tate was fabulous last night, as he told us after the game. He about, told you he was fabulous? He told, us, he told me he was fabulous <laughs> last night. He really was. Because uh, three scoreless innings, but uh, really to kind of, you know, take a lot of the pressure off the bullpen and save some arms for the rest of this series. But you got to like what you've seen out of him last night. And, and I think from a fan standpoint, you're, you're looking at two guys uh, that 
that fans are interested in, and we see Hunter Harvey get his first major league win uh, in this past week, and albeit out of the bullpen, but that's where all of a sudden he's found a home and kind of excels a little bit at it. Right, you are, Craig. Uh, but I, I think that the Mount, you know, you talk about Mountcastle offensively, there is one worrisome uh, trait, and that is the. Uh, the free swinging. Yeah, you know Buck Showalter when he sent Buck Showalter when they they cut him from camp in 2018 uh, told him and told us yep. that the number of walks he was drawing in the minor leagues, which he drew in 2017, were not going to cut it in the major leagues. He had to become much more disciplined. He's only become slightly more disciplined. There still are, you know, there still are very few walks. And a lot of stri- you know a lot of strikeouts. But a lot of strikeouts aren't necessarily uh, alarming because that's the trend in in baseball. But you know they they want you know they want walks to go with the strikeouts. And I remember when they were considering in 2012 promoting Dylan Bundy from Double A, and and Buck was against it. He looked and he said four walks and four walks in Bowie is more walks here. Right. So 25 walks in AAA for Ryan Mountcastle is fewer walks here because the pitchers are better. Yeah. Uh, The way I always look at that, and I learned this from Eddie Epstein uh, Mm -hmm. many, many years ago. He was the first uh, Orioles employee that was an analytics guy, and this goes back to late 80s, uh, 86, 87. And he always taught me to look at that strikeout. It's not the number of strikeouts – it's the ratio between the strikeouts and walks. And when I look at uh, Ryan Mountcastle with like a 335 to 340 on base percentage at AAA with all the other ancillary numbers, and I look at that strikeout to walk ratio, and to me at the major league level, unless he really gets a handle on that, he's a 308 to 314 on base guy in the major leagues. Yeah, well, I think part of it is you got to – you know, until they see it, yep. sometimes they don't make the adjustment. Yeah. You know, that's players sometimes grow in the major leagues. In that's... some ways, you know, DJ Stewart, uh, according to a lot of people, may be a better major league player than he was a minor league player. That's a fair point. Perform, yeah. He seems to perform better, um, you know, sort of when the lights are, are, are yep. the brightest. We're talking. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes, uh, pitchers and and players do better in the major leagues and that's what this time is i mean this is a valuable time these these five weeks uh you know fans may uh you know maybe focused on gee well the team's going to lose a lot of games well they are going to lose a lot of games and they're going to lose a lot of games next year too but they're trying to to find you know find these guys who are going to be able to to help them going forward or guys that they're going to be able to to maybe sell off and get some more players for them. We're talking with Rich Dubroff of BaltimoreBaseball.com. You're listening to the Battle Round, and we are broadcasting live in the Live Casino Hotel Studios. And we urge you, if you're watching on Facebook Live, to like the program and share the program. Craig? Absolutely. Uh, we'd be remiss, Rich, if we didn't uh, acknowledge the fact that we should say happy birthday to Cal Ripken today. That's right. 59 years old. Wow. I know, isn't that great? Um, it's funny because I always remember that because 
his first game was on my birthday <laughs> when he uh, when he made his uh, he made his major league debut. And you know, as you were, Craig, I was uh, fortunate enough to be present for. Uh, an awful lot of great Cal moments. Yeah, and, and you know what? You, you think about 2130 and 2131, and I always tell people who ask me, you know, if you go to a speaking engagement or something, what's the best thing you ever covered? And, I, you know, I said, I've done Super Bowls, 17 of them, yep. various all-star games, things of that nature. The bat around. The bat around, right. I said, but those two nights in, in Camden Yards, uh, September uh, 5th, 5th and, 6th. and 6th, yeah, and uh, of 95 were the two most amazing nights I've ever spent in the ballpark. Well, you know, it's funny. I was thinking because there's a thing. It's so long ago now that there's a a writer for, I don't know if you've had him on yet, from the Baltimore Sun who helps cover the Orioles named Nathan Ruiz. And he he was six weeks old when Cal (laughs) broke the record. That's how long he broke the record. Right, not when he started. <laughs> we should have him on to ask him about it. <laughs> what he remembers. What he remembers about it. There you go. Uh, I, I, uh, not to date myself, but I sat there as a producer of the Rex Barney show in 1982. It was a season that Cal would ultimately win the Rookie of the Year, so we know how that turned out. But in 1982, he had just been beamed by Mike Moore of the Seattle Mariners. And a few days later, he came on the Rex Barney show from the Hit and Run Club. And Cal at the time, and it was about May the 5th or something, Cal was batting 138. And you right, talk I about people, that. you talk about people clamoring, this guy's not good enough, this guy's not going to make it, and all that. And I remember at the time, the Indians had a guy that was – Often running to the races, a guy named Von Hayes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kiddingly, we were talking already, God, we wish we had Von Hayes instead of Cal and he, and he went on to be a better Philly than he was in India. <laughs> right, but he didn't end up being no, a better right. player than Cal Ripken. But uh, Cal put it together, uh, something. I wanted to get back to a couple of the people we were talking about, Hunter Harvey and Dylan Tate. Talk to me about the, ver- the, the decision – uh, seemingly separate, but to put both of those guys as bullpen guys and then try and expedite and jumpstart their careers a little bit and and the roles, in your opinion, that both of those guys might have in store for them. Well, I think Hunter Harvey looks like a future closer to me. Yeah. Uh, he likes being in the bullpen. Uh, he was getting close to his innings limit, and he wasn't pitching – really well as a starter so they tried him in the bullpen and it worked uh it worked very very well uh dylan tate had had uh little success as a starter and they decide and they had a bunch of starters at Bowie, so they decided let's let's try him in the bullpen and it's worked out you know and it's worked out well and that's where uh, he was that's that, where he was in college by the way he was in a number one draft pick out of what cal state fullerton no it was cal state I think it wasn't Fullerton because that's okay. where Tom Eshelman's from. Right. It was uh, I, I don't know if it was Santa Barbara yes. or it, okay. any or Woodridge or, or yeah. one of those schools. Okay, but he was a closer in college. Yeah, but he's you know I think that he um, he he's interesting to watch. You know, I've I've seen all of his games in person, and it and last night he he was he had obviously as Craig talked talked about he had a, a really clean three innings. But I think that his stats um, were a little deceiving in the first couple of um, the first couple of uh, 
appearances because one of them he was just so nervous and he let a bunch of guys right. on uh, and score before he he settled in and then one of them uh, Brandon Hyde admittedly tried to milk him right. uh, through some some extra hitters uh, and then you know gave up runs when he should have been out of the game so. I think that the future looks bright for Dylan Tate and Hunter Harvey. So the two of them, you know, when you when you project how a team gets better, talk a little bit about the quantum leap between those guys and when when Brandon Hyde or Buck Showalter motioned and had to bring in a Jimmy Yacobonas, right? David Hess. Well, that's, you know, it's somebody. It's something that you know Brandon Hyde could get excited about having. Yeah a pitcher like that, you know, they've had to recycle so many of these, these guys, Jimmy Acabonis, uh, Evan Phillips, yep. uh, Tanner Scott, Taylor Scott, Brandon Klein, who've had, you know, up and down times uh, with the Orioles. And, you know, you, you have to go through a lot of those guys. And, and a lot of those guys did much better in the minor leagues than let's say Dylan Tate. So you, you hope that, they could have had, uh, you know, some more quality arms. But for now, it looks like Tate and, and Harvey are two intriguing arms to look at for the rest of this year and then uh, and then for the beginning of next year, too. Hey, before we let you go, you know, uh, we sit together, uh, we sit next to one another and have for five, six years out there at Camden Yards. Uh, you started something uh, – a couple of years ago when you were with the folks at Comcast, you carried it through to uh, a press box, and now you're doing it at BaltimoreBaseball.com, uh, the Oriole jersey of the night. Uh, how is it growing, and who do you who do you need the rest of the season? Well, uh, I need uh, – you know, I've done it for, for five years. Actually, it's Twitter, so it's not really That's true. anything yep. to do with any of the, the, the outlets that I've worked for. Yep. Um, but – you know, I, I I like to pick out a nice a nice one that I see every night, uh, but you know there are a few that I haven't seen this year that's uh, a little surprising. I haven't seen a lot of Melvin Morris or Paul Blair. Uh, you know, in the past I've seen some some excellent ones with uh, the late Mike Flanagan, Dave McNally, uh, Mike Qua- you know Mike Quayar, Scott McGregor. Uh, those are some of the ones that uh, are always. Uh, are, are always of interest to me. All right, my favorite, as, as, as well as a few of the the really obscure ones. Too. My my favorite that I can't remember why I think you were absent that day, but it was about three years ago. There's a African American guy. No, we were there. We were there. You together. were there. You did yeah. see it. I took a picture of it, but I lost uh, I, my phone. I changed phones and I didn't have it. I'm convinced it was Leroy Kelly. Wearing well, Pat if he walks through that door, Stan, I know if he walks through that door, you'll be uh, you'll be the first one to greet him. Well, <laughs> he was he was an African American. He was probably in his sixties, early sixties. He was with a woman, and he was wearing a Baltimore Orioles Kelly jersey, and it was number eighteen, which is the number Pat wore, which ironically Brandon Hyde wears now, and. I'm convinced it was Leroy Kelly wearing his late brother's uh, Pat Kelly jersey. Hey, um, we really appreciate your coming on. You're doing a great job with the site, uh, and that's not a surprise to this guy. Thank you very okay, much. Okay, well, thanks, for, thanks very much for having me, Stan. We'll see you, see you, see you later, and thank you, Craig. Hear, right. you, hear you in about two hours, Rich. <laughs> okay, right. thank you. Bye. All right, there you go.
as Rich Duboff. All right, uh, before we uh, bring Dave, uh, Dave Johnson's son on, Steve Johnson, going to talk to you a little bit about Sliders, Baltimore's favorite bar, just 771 feet from home plate, Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards is the perfect sports bar for baseball season and all things sports with all the big events on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wingding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. See them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit Sliders today. Want to remind you that the Battle Round is also presented by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube Service Center and ask for Mobile One. And Craig, let's uh, do one of our favorite spots right now because we know what a special place the Costas Inn is. Mm, well, that's because there's specials on the menu each oh, and every I night see what at you the Costas Inn. Yeah. yeah, how about that? Uh, Monday night is crab cake night, Tuesday is rib night, Wednesday is steak night, and also half-price bottles of wine on Wednesday. Thursday is lobster night. You can get that either regular or stuffed with that fabulous crab imperial. But uh, great specials on the menu each and every day. One of my favorites is the prime rib. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard, Dundalk, and also... The best crabs around, and uh, right now they're running pretty good for Nick Triantopoulos. And don't forget on Wednesday night, steak night, they give you also half bottles of wine. Did you I, say I that? I said that. I apologize. I was trying to think ahead on something. And, and you, you totally know lost track. Yeah, totally exactly. lost track of what you said. But half-price bottles of wine on Wednesday night with steak night. There, by the way, we are broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios, which is a good primer to tell you um, that the amazing shows continue in the Live Event Center at Live Casino Hotel this fall, including Funny Man, Norm McDonald, Saturday, September 7th. Tickets start at just $29.50 and include $10 in free slots play. Other shows coming up to the Live Event Center this fall include Grand Funk Railroad, the rescheduled Boz Skag Show, Kenny Babyface Edmonds, Gladys Knight, Michael Bolton, and more. Get your tickets now by going to livecasinohotel.com. Around here, there are two kinds of chicken. Royal Farms' world-famous chicken and everything else. What's the difference? Royal Farms chicken is always fresh, never frozen. It's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices and cooked on the spot right in the store. Chicken from anywhere else? Who knows? Hungry for some hot and delicious chicken? Get some Royal Farms world-famous chicken. It's one of a kind. And don't forget the Western fries. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate at Camden Yards. Sliders Bar and Grill is at 504 Washington Boulevard, just steps away from Camden Yards. It's the perfect sports bar for every season. This is the perfect time to book your private party or take the office to lunch. Feeding clients, take them to Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar, Sliders, for great food and drinks with some local atmosphere. You can book your private event on the second floor or on the outside patio, both overlooking the best stadium in baseball. See all of Sliders' daily specials or book your party at slidersbaltimore.com sliders baltimore's neighborhood sports bar visit them today 
Put down the pumpkin spice, Baltimore. September in Birdland is all about O's Unlimited, your general admission ballpark pass to every home game in September for just $30. Keep part of it all at Camden Yards. Simply buy your pass at Orioles.com slash unlimited and instantly receive access to your tickets in the ballpark app. Utah Street's calling, and there's only a select number of ticket passes available. Get yours today. Visit Orioles.com slash unlimited to buy now. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-priced bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostasIn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The Smokehouse Barbecue Bacon Sandwich has come to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. A boneless breast of chicken marinated with a special blend of seasonings and grilled for a tender and juicy backyard grilled taste served on a toasted buttered sweet yeast bun with Colby Jack cheese, bacon hand-tossed in a brown sugar and pepper blend, and green leaf lettuce. Topped with zesty smokehouse barbecue sauce, have it with their real lemonade and the famous Chick-fil-A waffle fries for a late summer meal that satisfies. Nobody waits for food unless they choose to. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers the super fast service you count on. Dine in, drive through, or pre-order with your Chick-fil-A app and it'll be ready when you get there. Plus, if you use the Chick-fil-A app, you automatically accrue points for free food. There's no better time for Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square than today. 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Catering available. This is former Terp AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on on my list. This is your boy Y2AJ here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. All right, we are back on the Battle Round, broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. Stan the Fan and Craig Heiss joining us as an old friend uh, who makes us feel old because he isn't that old, and it's former Orioles right-handed pitcher, now retired baseball pitcher, Steve Johnson. Steve, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? We're doing great. You know Craig pretty well, I yeah, think. Yeah, absolutely. How you doing, Steve? Good to see you. Or talk to good, you anyway. Good. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I got to ask you, we're on to talk about optimal baseball performance, but I do have to ask you, and I'll probably continue to ask you this for about another two years you made the decision uh, last season uh, when things weren't breaking the right way for you to say, hey, I'm, I'm done with my days as a baseball pitcher, a baseball player professionally. Now you've, you've gotten a chance to watch a, a full year of baseball. When you watch the caliber of pitching that's in the game today, are you convinced you made the right decision? 
you know, it, it's tough when you when you when you see it um, and you see people, you know, maybe having a, a tough time out there. Um, that hey, maybe maybe uh, maybe I could start up again and and uh, try and get out there. But um, yeah, it's always in the back of your head a little bit. But yeah. at the same time, um, I know how I was feeling last year with my own, and uh, I knew what it took to to kind of keep it going and then I would have had to stay away from my family and honestly um, near the end there there started to be other things that were a little more important and I knew that once that crept into my mind at all that baseball wasn't 100% that I wouldn't it wasn't going to happen so I always told myself that but you know you need to be all in for baseball you need to be away from your family you need to have that mental um, the mental side of things that you need to kind of get over um, if that starts creeping into your mind a little bit, when you go out there, you're not 100% all in baseball, and that's that's not good. It's not going to lead to good results. So Steve, Steve, I, think I made the right decision. Steve, along those lines, what kind of communication did you have with Dad in helping you, or if he did help you, make that decision? Um, it's probably been the last couple of years of my career. We're just kind of bouncing things off each other. And you know, you don't ever, especially when I, I was fortunate enough to get to the big leagues, um, you don't ever think you're done. <laughs> you don't ever want to think about when you're done or when you're going to be. Um, just things about the free agency, not, not being able to get a job, no one being really interested. Um, it kind of makes you start thinking about it real quick. And uh, with him, he, he just said, you know, you need to be happy. Um, if you're not happy going out there and being away from everybody anymore, then, then hey, maybe it's time to uh, – to, to hang it up as long as you're comfortable with it. And, uh, you know, he had the same thing when he was at the end of my, or his career, I was starting to grow up and he was with the Tigers and he, he didn't, he was even in the big leagues and he was like, I don't, I don't want to be away from my kid. So, um, he had to make those decisions and he retired in the big leagues. So it was, just, it, was it was good having him there to talk to, but, uh, as always. So, so I, I, when, when I talked to you last summer, late in the season, um, and you had denounced your retirement. We had you on the TV show, I think it was, like last uh, August or September, and you were talking at that time about going to Towson and doing some stuff with physical therapy, you know, learning learning some things about physical therapy. Did you, in fact, do that, and how did that morph into what you're doing with uh, your new company, Optimal Baseball Performance? Yeah, I'm, I'm going. To, I'm going to school now. I'm not going to Towson yet. I hope to go into Towson. I figured I'd start at um, at CCBC right okay. now, going into uh, exercise science, and I'm about a semester and a half in, and um, you know, it's it's going well. I feel like it'll really help me understand more about what I've already learned in the whole business side of things and, and what I'm going to teach. But it'll just help me maybe explain it better, um, understand how things work better. Um, but yeah, I'm in the process of going to school and um, starting this thing up. But uh, it's definitely going to help me kind of relate to to what I already know, um, but kind of make me a little more knowledgeable on on each subject of how the body works. All right, and that is an awfully important aspect of uh, any sports performance of knowing how the body works and understanding uh, how to get your optimal performance. So, your dad was a a baseball a pitching teacher uh and he had a facility at his home i think it was a it was it a mound and some video equipment uh tell us what dad had 
and how you're sort of taking that over and taking it up a notch or two. Yeah, so we were fortunate enough to, we just basically had a huge cage on um, a floor in, in the house growing up, and uh, it was basically like walking into any batting cage that that you'd see anywhere. But he did lessons up there for a while, and our baseball teams worked out of there uh, when it rained in the winter and everything when I was when I was growing up. And I did all of my uh, throwing, but it's um, plenty of space to to do exactly what I'm trying to do now. And he was a little more just mechanics, and what I'm offering is more of a uh, you know a functional strength workout um, along with mechanical training and trying to um, sync those two things up um, together to to uh, to get the most out of it. Because a lot of guys they're a little unbalanced, they're a little unstable, and especially uh, young guys, especially, and and you don't really want to work them through anything too hard but you can work on balance and stability and uh that'll go a long way when when they uh when they do start to grow so uh, so um what age group are you working with with your with your company optimal baseball performance what age are you sort of aiming at is there a sweet spot of like 12 to 17 is that about the the age range well I mean, you can do younger kids uh, around, I would say I have an eight-year-old that is working. Um, it just depends, obviously, on what type of kid. Um, there's 12-year-olds who aren't ready to, mm-hmm. to have instruction, and sometimes there's seven-year-olds who are all in. You know, And it just that's based on what type of kid you have. But I would say anywhere from, obviously, you can't do things that you can do with an eight or or can't do things with an eight-year-old that you can do with a 15-year-old and it's just you got to monitor it a little bit better but uh there are things that you can work on that are still going to help the eight-year-old be very consistent um with what he has working right then I so i would say eight to pro i would think is a, you know you can go okay. this this training program can be for for anyone in that range i remember growing up and playing uh uh pickup games up on the lot at Kenwood or, or back on the backfields there. And uh, don't tell your dad about, you know, Kenwood and, you know, <laughs> Overly, you know, Dave went to Overly. So. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, and we were arch rivals, by the way. Anyway, uh, I you know, I remember that. And, you know, kids, if they're interested in baseball at that age, I think, and they're out there playing it, whether they're playing, you know, Little League or whatever, they always think, I think, that you have a shot at making it somehow, some way. When you're teaching kids, how do you convey that message that, you know, yeah, it's great to get out here, it's great to learn the game, it's great to play the game, but, you know, not everybody makes it, you know, to the extent that they think they're going to make it. Yeah, and that's a that's a tough thing. You don't want to really, you don't want to put a, um, you know, as a kid, you you don't you don't really realize how how long what it takes to actually get there. I mean, yeah. even as a high school kid, you're really not even sure because you haven't been through it. Um, so it's really tough to kind of put that on them and have them be able to understand it. But what you can do is at least explain to them maybe the work that it takes to get there, and um, that you can still have fun, but you have to work at it just like anything. So you have homework and you're not good at it, you have to work at it. Um, you have to ask questions, you have to do the homework, and you have to hopefully get better at it, and you'll understand it. And it's the same thing with mechanics. It's the same thing with your body. It's, it's understanding what you do well and, and also what you don't do well. And uh, 
maybe getting some help and maybe compete a little bit better through through the years. And if you do that on, on a number of times, and I think over that, and over again, I think that's what they say about life lessons. They say sports teaches a lot of life life's lessons, and you can certainly learn things in life by by doing exactly or listening to guys like Dave or like Steve. Yeah, I mean, there's baseball teaches a lot, and it'll teach teach how to deal with failure because there's a lot of it in this game. Yep. But it'll also teach you how to be a good teammate, teach you how to work together, and uh, there's a lot of good things that baseball can provide. And honestly, you know, a lot of, a lot of teens, a lot of kids stop playing sports by I think they said 70 percent of kids stop playing team sports at like 14. Um, and if if I can work with some kids and get them a little better at it so they enjoy it a little more, maybe they'll continue to play. We're talking with Steve Johnson, the son of former Oriole pitcher and Masson uh, analyst, Dave Johnson. Steve has uh, started up uh, an optimal baseball performance uh, teaching um, regimen. And, uh, Steve, we're going to have you on periodically to talk about this and promote this. But I wanted to – I asked you to send me some bullet points – and one that caught my eye very quickly this morning, and I think speaks to the core of what you're doing, is you say a lot of lessons teach mechanics without the knowledge of whether the athlete can physically do what you're telling them. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, how you assess that? Is it just your eyeballs, or is it equipment that measures certain things? whether you know whether a kid can physically do what you're asking them to do. Uh, yeah, so that, that's pretty important. That's something that really um, I've just learned just for over the last couple of years working with um, the people that I, w- I was training with. And uh, actually they – so I don't know if you know anything about the TPI golf program they have out in California, but golfers have been doing this stuff for a while. And um, they teamed up to do a baseball side of it. They feel like they, the delivery, it's biomechanics, it's rotational. They can figure out ways that they can improve it. Um, so they created a physical screen that you can go and you have about 13 to 17 tests that they do with that they're not, when they're not loose, just simple flexibility things, seeing how far they can rotate, see if they can uh, rotate their hips without moving their shoulders or upper body. Um, things that are specific for baseball for you to have an efficient delivery. And, um, you know, if you can figure out what they can do, then you can actually tell them what, what to do. But if they can't do what you're telling them to do or their physical limitations don't allow them to, now right. you have to work on that before you can get them to actually work on the mechanics of it. And they might have to do a couple flexibility exercises or some, some weeks of, you know, rotation, try and get, gain some more rotation out of their hips or, or, or shoulders. So it's kind of pinpoints exactly where they need help. And then you add a video analysis to that. And now you have a really good idea on where they need to work. So just just quickly, because I know you've got a lesson coming up, and I don't want to keep you beyond when I told you I'd keep you, but so suppose you see a kid can't do something and you give them sort of some prescribed some exercises they need to do. Is that homework that they then do at home, or do they do those things in front of you so they know that they're doing them right? Well, I, I would say that the first part, um, I would show them what they need to do, okay. um, and then they would take that. And if they really want to get better at it as quick as as quick as they can, they continue to do it at home. And okay. a lot of these things that I'm I'm doing is things that they can do at home. They should be doing them once or twice a week when they're not coming in to see me. That okay. way, when 
they come to see me, they've already have, you know, way more homework and training at home. So they should be getting better a little sooner and we can move on to the next thing. And that's the goal. Um, so it'll eventually become more second nature, second nature to them. Exactly. They'll they'll be, they should be getting the idea that, Hey, I need to do this at home. If they get used to doing a bunch of stuff at home, then when they're working on the mechanics, when they're working on flexibility, they'll just continue to do it. And if they get in that mindset, then they'll be, they'll be doing, they'll be doing great once they get into uh, the more advanced stuff. And I assume you've got the video to show them how they were doing it three weeks ago. And now that they've been doing some homework, you got the video to show. You see how you're moving this side more flexibly and uh, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and and the video is is important just because of a visual. You know, yep. a lot of guys are like, I'm not doing that, and you look at the video and you're like, here, it's it's okay that you're doing it. We're gonna right. fix it. Right. But as long as you can see, this is what you're doing. And then we also have have some video of some players who you know are in the big leagues, and we can show them like, look, this is how the most efficient person does this. Okay, and they're the best of the best. You're not, but you're not there yet, and that's okay. But this is what you're looking for. You want it more like this, and you can show them both sides of it. So it's it, it's really good, and it'll help them uh, understand what they need to do, and they'll want to get better. All right, it's optimalbaseball at gmail dot com is the way to contact Dave uh, Steve Johnson. Excuse me, I'll probably do that a hundred times. <laughs> hey, optimal, it's my whole life. It's okay. op, optimalbaseball at gmail dot com or call Steve for um, information about Optimal Baseball at 410-608-8023. And if you want to see the Facebook page, go to facebook.com slash Optimal Baseball. All right? Steve, thanks for coming on on this initial discussion of this. We'll uh, promise to keep folks out there informed and get the word out for you. All right? Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. There you have it. Craig, um, uh, we're going to have Richard Justice on in a couple minutes. Um, the Nats are playing today. What time are the Nats playing? Two twenty, first pitch Eastern at Wrigley Field. Okay, and it'll be Joe Ross against uh, Jose Quintana. That's a good matchup. That's a good matchup. Yep, Joe Ross has been pitching some fantastic baseball. Won't say this is a must-win for the Cubs, but the Cubs are. Now, they had just won six in a row before losing to the Nats yesterday. Right. But they, they've been up and down. This has been they a have, real taffy pull for them. They have, but it's been a, a, a pretty decent run for them compared to where they were. Yeah. But then at the same time they were making that run, a lot of other teams that are right there bunched up with them were playing fairly decent baseball as well. But now they've fallen uh, behind the Cardinals. Who by now, half a game. By half game, who now lead the division. So... Uh, again, the Nationals hold a two-game lead over the Cubs for the number one wild card spot. The Cubs are right there. Uh, but then, you know, obviously the Mets and the Phillies and the Phillies last night, they blew they a 7, seven nothing, nothing lead, lead again, in Miami. In Miami, yeah. and their bullpen just absolutely imploded. Yeah, they lost 19 to, 19 to 11, 11, I think, yeah, was the final. Yeah. Uh, and Bryce Harper didn't play in that game. Is he hurt? No, I don't know what the deal was with Bryce okay. with that. All right. Uh, but anyway, it looks like the Nationals, uh, you, when you're two games in front, you can't say you've taken charge of it, but they clearly have created a little wiggle room between themselves and the Cubs. Uh, but but most likely at this point, Atlanta holds on to win the East. The Nationals and the loser 
of the Central will most likely be the wild card team. Yeah, and keep Way in mind. Way too early to say. And keep in mind, even though that's a six-game deficit to the Braves and five in the loss column, and that's really the most important thing you have to look at is how many games you're behind in the loss column. Uh, the Nationals five games in back of Atlanta in the loss column, and they still have seven head-to-head matches against them. All right. We're broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios. Uh, day, uh, Richard Justice to join us in just a couple minutes. But, Craig, I wanted to tell people that Ken Zalas mm-hmm. is back. Not his back. No. Is back. Is back. And and fantasy football is what it's all about. That's right. The fantasy football show, Press Box Fantasy Football Show, presented by Glory Days Grill, is on at a new time every Thursday morning at 11.30. Press Box's fantasy guru will help set your lineups and fulfill all your fantasies well. Your football fantasies anyway. Watch on Facebook.com. Let me read that again. I was going to say, and I might, even, I might even talk football with him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Pressbox Fantasy Guru is going to help you set your lineups and fulfill all of your fantasies. Well, your football fantasies anyway. Watch Facebook.com slash Sports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. The Pressbox Fantasy Football Show with Ken Zales, Thursdays at 11.30 a.m., presented by Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports, and Craig, we're going to tell people about the Costas Inn. But you, you're dying to no, say. No, I was something. just going to say it's amazing how much of a you know how much of a pig we are. Yeah, there's no question about that. Um, speaking of pigging out, yes, the and Costas you can... Inn is a great place, and part of the reason is because they got that great list of specials nightly: Monday night's crab cake night, Tuesday night's rib night, Wednesday night is steak night parred together with half-priced bottles of wine. Thursday night is lobster night. Friday night, Pitt, Pete, and Nick will have a whole host of specials on and, the menu. And there's live entertainment throughout the week. There's uh, jazz night on Wednesday night, classic rock and roll on Fridays and Saturdays. It's well worth your time, well worth the trip to 4100 North Point Boulevard over in Dundalk. And don't forget, they have the best steamed crabs anywhere in in the area and you can great get crab them, cakes and, great crab soup right and you can get the crab cakes uh, shipped and the crabs for that matter shipped anywhere in the country and that's a fantasy for you yeah that's a real fantasy uh that's 4100 north point boulevard uh we are going to make our next break uh next contact with richard justice in just a minute craig and i uh will lead you into that and, uh, again, we gave the matchup at uh, Wrigley Field today, 2-20, Joe Ross against Jose Quintana. Oriole Park tonight, 7-0-5. I know John Means is pitching for the Birds. Uh, they've, yet to, they've yet to announce No, it. yeah. How do you feel about that? Do you think that there needs to be almost like the – kind of like the injury list in football, that there needs to be something? This entire series – when it was announced, it was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday right. were left undecided. Right. The, the entire three days were were undecided. And that's, you know, I, I guess in terms of preparation, you know, it's it's a bigger deal. But uh, maybe maybe our next guest can uh, well, he's, shed a little light on that. He's on with us. He's one of the best baseball writers in the business. And he's with MLB.com, one of their lead columnists, Richard Justice. And Richard... You may not have heard my entree into that topic. In football, you got to report injuries and everything, and I know that's a once a week 
sport, and they, they like to have it on the upside, the kosher side of things, to, to let the public know certain things about injuries. The Tampa Bay Rays come into town this week. They announce their first game starter and leave the other three starters totally unannounced. Is there something that needs to be done, or am I just um, frustrated for no reason? Do you know who's starting today? Well, it is now. I, I just happened to look it up, and I guess mm-hmm. they've made that decision since the end of postgame okay. last night uh, until it now. It's, no, it's Jose Alvarado. Jose Alvarado's starting the game. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, I think. And, and welcome to sure the show. That? And welcome to the show, Richard. Well, um, <laughs> a friend of mine, uh, a family friend, is supposed to pitch today, and he was told earlier in the week <laughs> – I think Alvarado will go the first inning, right? They're trying to get him right. right. He's right. been all messed up. Right. Um, so this guy that's going to follow, I think it's Austin Pruitt. <laughs> he got a text earlier in the week, be prepared to start Saturday in Baltimore. And then I think there was a follow-up text, or Durham. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So You know, uh, I think all these teams now are just trying to work their way through things yeah. <laughs> and try to figure out day-to-day. And it's what we look at, you know, um, when we get to the postseason, I don't even know if there's – if you got Verlander and Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, Clayton Kershaw, Hunjin Ryu, you're going to have a rotation, okay? Mm-hmm. you got Shane Bieber, you're going to have a rotation. But I think in a lot of these situations, especially the way the state the Yankees are in and the state the Rays are in, you're just trying to figure out how to get 27 outs. When uh, the Brewers – started uh brandon woodruff and he faced i think one guy last year right in the postseason or was that miley, asking, or was that miley that started and faced one guy yeah maybe maybe it was, it was yeah miley. he was an remember. opener faced one guy and came out of the game yep. yeah yeah and i remember asking Ke- um, aj hinch that day i said uh, what do you think about the ethics of doing that and he goes i think the ethics are that you can use your 25 man roster to the best of your ability mm-hmm. now in the case of that game at dodger stadium it didn't come totally out of the blue, right? You know, but it's it was the Dodgers are primarily a last year at least were a platoon team, Pete Peterson and Bellinger in particular. So maybe it could cross you up, but that's that's the new um, game we're in. I was just looking at the Rays coaching staff. It has a process and analytics coach on the staff. Uh, his Jonathan Ehrlichman is his name. He's got a math degree from Princeton. <laughs> and Kevin Cash, of course, has nicknamed him Jay Money. <laughs> it, they have a, a major league mental skills coach. Mm-hmm. They have a lead sports dietitian and baseball performance science on the staff, and assistant sports dietitian and baseball performance science. This is what happens when you let the smart guys in the room. They're gonna they're gonna do things a little bit differently. Uh, I know it's not probably first and foremost on your mind or Craig's mind, and it isn't the first and foremost thing on my mind, but betting on baseball has historically always been about betting on the starting pitching matchup of that day. Do you know anything about that and how bets on the Rays games, for example, have been affected by their use of the opener for a season and a half now? Stan, I don't even know how to place a bet. Okay. But I do know that the most two most lopsided favorites in the history of baseball have been in the last three weeks. I know. One was Verlander pitching in Baltimore against the Orioles. 
And the other was Verlander pitching against the Tigers on, um, what's that, Tuesday or Wednesday? Yeah. I don't know. It was Wednesday. Yep. Yep. And as the great Jim Henneman would say, that's what you call a reverse lock. Reverse lock. The Astros lock. lost both those games. Yep. Uh, did that have anything to do with uh, Verlander's angst toward this writer and your thoughts of the ethics of uh, what the Astros uh, allowed him to do, which was usher a man out trying to do his job? Well, it, it started on, they have a history. And it, what bothered me in the coverage is nobody said what happened between the two. Okay, um, that's the, fair. The Astros, uh, the Astros barred a guy last year. And the BBWA, the baseball writers, supported them in doing so. He had overheard a comment by Dallas Keuchel and put it on Twitter. And um, it got Keuchel in trouble with the fans. You know, now there's two ways to approach it. You can take the guy's credential or, you know, the way I think the Orioles historically have done it is let the guy in there and let the let, let Charles Darwin's theory Take, a, take hold, you know. If they beat the hell out of him, they beat the hell out of him. <laughs> Normally, these things blow over. But anyway, um, Verlander was talking to a guy from a, the Detroit News on, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. It was Monday. And this guy walks up. They obviously have a history, and Verlander says, I'm not answering any questions if you're here. And um, that was it. And mm-hmm. so Wednesday, they kept him out of the clubhouse until Justin did his little five-minute thing with the media. And then the guy went up to Justin and tried to talk to him. And Justin said, I'm not answering your questions. They had a long, it was something that happened right before the trade in okay. 2017. And Justin felt like the guy's ethics came into question. Um, and uh, I had heard that they had talked it out, but obviously they hadn't. So the issue is, were the Astros right to keep the guy out? I would say no, but if Justin said, I'm not going to talk if he's standing there, um, I'm going. Uh, that puts him in a bad spot. I I was told, telling somebody. I said, Eddie Murray uh, didn't speak to me for ten years, and it worked <laughs> so well. He signed up for another ten years. And there was one. There was a scene at Dodger Stadium where uh, uh, Eddie would tell the Dodgers. He said, "If if anybody from Baltimore is in this group, I'm not speaking." And so Kirchin would pop his head up, and Eddie would just stop in the middle of a sentence, just stop, become a stink. Timmy would walk away, and Eddie would start talking again. Timmy would come back, Eddie would stop talking again. So <laughs> these things have been going on. Um, I know who was it? You guys? Who was it that Frank Robinson put up against the locker and had his hands around his throat? Who was that? That was somebody we all know, I believe. <laughs> I don't remember that. Huh? And it uh, it blew over. You could ask Henneman about it. It blew over pretty fast. It wasn't Henneman, but it right. blew over pretty fast. So. You know, uh, what bothered me was people uses an excuse to start talking about the First Amendment. Right. Claire Smith of ESPN compared Verlander to Donald Trump and dealing with the media and all. I, I have never had anything but good experiences with Justin Verlander. He's a total pro. Same, same he knows here. What you need. He knows what you need, gives it to you. You know, and that was a gut-wrenching loss. It was a nine-inning, 99-pitch complete game. He allowed two base runners, both home runs didn't pitch from the stretch one night and you had to ask him like what was it like facing Miguel Cabrera and and knowing you know because you could see I mean they'd never faced each other before teammates for 13 years and Justin tipped his hat to him before he stepped in he goes 
The guy wouldn't shut his mouth. He's like, oh, you're going to throw me curveballs. Is that the way it's going to be? Blah, blah. He goes, I'm trying to bear down. And the guy says, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but that's Miggy. He shows up at the park. He doesn't have any bad days. And he was great talking about it. And he was great talking about the circumstances, the weirdness of the game. The Astros had two guys thrown out at third base to end innings, including the ninth inning. Just a weird, is a weird game. And, um, they kept the guy out for five minutes and all hell. It gave all these people on Twitter a chance to be self righteous. And there is nothing the media likes more than, than being, being self righteous. Yeah. Got to ask you a question. But I don't think they should have locked him out. I mean, I don't think they should have kept him out for five minutes, but I don't, also don't think it was uh, the equivalent of uh, the stock market collapse. Yeah. Do you. Uh... Although one might have led to the other, you never know. <laughs> Do you have the uh, any any thoughts on the way the Nationals are playing right now, and the fact that uh, they lead the wild card now by two full games, uh, and, and the fact that they've got uh, seven head-to-head meetings with the Braves coming down the stretch, and they're only five out in the loss column there. And let me throw in a, a little add-on to to Craig's question uh, as to how close were they to possibly pulling the plug on Davey Martinez? But go ahead. Yeah. I don't think they were. I don't think their management is big on paying off contracts uh, and having two guys, paying two guys to manage the team. I just don't think so. And I think when Mike Rizzo looked at the larger picture, he said, our problems are me. I did a bad job of constructing the bullpen. Now, hindsight's twenty twenty. Everybody's ripping for that. But to me, they had lined up going into the season from the ninth inning backs, uh, Doolittle, uh, Bearclaw and Rosenthal, I felt the bullpen was going to be a strength of the team. I did and too. everything bad that happened that team goes back to the bullpen. The bullpen yep. affected the offense, it affected the rotation, and obviously it affected Sean Doolittle. He, I think eight times he asked him to get multi-inning saves. Right. And eventually a guy's going to wear down. But right now, there's not a more dangerous team than Washington because you go into the playoffs against them and they got those three monsters plus Anibal Sanchez to pitch. That's a postseason rotation. That's what's funny about this season. You look at Cleveland, you don't want to face Cleveland. You don't want to face the Dodgers. You don't want to face the Astros. And the Yankees, you just get like, okay, can you win this way in the postseason? But I love him. You know, Anthony Rendon is from around the corner here, and he's finally getting the love he deserved uh, for being a great player. And you look at, I looked at him in spring training. I thought, this is a perfect team. I call them a perfect team on Cornhuskers show. Didn't look too good for there a couple of months because <laughs> they had those kids, Robles, Soto, Trey Turner. They had team speed. They had veteran guys. And in the off season, they brought in clubhouse presence. They brought in, uh, Anibal Sanchez, who's a big guy in the clubhouse, Jan Gomes, Suzuki, and Brian Dozier, those are all guys looked at in the game as uh, the adults in a room, and that's a good thing to have when you've got a bunch of kids trying to figure it out. You mentioned Anthony Rendon, uh, and you finally getting the recognition. But in does my... he like you, Heisty? Oh, yeah. Does he, does he take... Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, he, I hate to hear that. Well, no, he, he'll he'll come. I have to do the post-game interview when they're coming off the right. field when they win on the radio. And yeah. and one day I just looked at Anthony. I said, "I need you for two, you know, minute and a half." And he comes over to the yeah. dugout. He kind of throws his arm on the on the railing there. He goes, "I am so tired." <laughs> and yeah. I said, "I said just just one." And then I ask him about you know you, the the bad start you got off to, and now look, you played your way right back into this. He looked at me. He goes, 
We weren't worried about that. That was all you guys freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me tell you a story about him. You know, he went to Lamar High School and Inner City High School in Houston. He went to Rice University. And Rice University is a pretty high-end school academically. And they've had a great baseball program. Guys like Lance Berkman came from there, Paul Yanish, which you guys know. What they'll tell you at Rice is we've never had a better human being in oh. our program than Anthony Rendon. No question. He's the finest person we've ever had. And, uh, you know, I, I guess he's not always available to the media, but uh, like in, in spring training, some of the guys are looking like he, he's happy. And uh, that, how guys Richard, are you moving around? Are you moving around? You moved into a cell or something. We just lost you. I'm, I'm just uh, sitting right here. All, All right. right. All just, right. Well, I'll tell you one thing about Anthony, and that's this. Uh, in, in, in what you're saying about a great guy, you have no idea how much it is to try to get him to talk about himself. If he goes right. four for four in a game, hits a grand slam, drives in five or six, and we've had a couple of those games with him, you know, you ask him about it, and right away, well, you know, the pitching staff set all that up, you know, and, and you know, the, without the teammates getting on in front of me, I've got no chance to do that kind of thing. Never a self-promoter, and that hurts him to a degree, but what you said about being a human being and, and one of the best guys around, that's absolutely true. Yeah, you know, and he just has no use for the fame. And I always wondered, like, was this a reaction to Harper – being this always being the center of attention and all that like he did not want to go to the all-star game and he admitted that ryan zimmerman told him hey you don't know how many times you're going to get this opportunity you might want to take a second and third look at it but that's that's just who the guy is yeah and, so and you know you, you appreciate the guy you appreciate the guy being honest about who he is and, and what he's all about so let me ask you the key the key question with rondone he's got the same agent as bryce harper he's dealing with the same team but there is a difference in personality. Uh, is his humility going to play a part in this, or is this just going to go the same way that the Harper thing did eventually? Well, I cannot see him making a free agent tour. I just can't see him doing that. He's going to be home with his wife and baby. And um, I, 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 my, if I had a guess, my guess would be that he'd re-sign with the Nationals, and if it's not the Nationals. But they got to get it done. they they got to step up. And and he he like Strasburg will won't be. I wonder what he. Texas hmm. Rangers are moving into a new ballpark next year and all of that, and I wonder if that appeals to him. Okay. That could be by you know the other part about that too is somebody had asked Bryce earlier this year uh, about whether or not he signs, and and Bryce basically said there ain't no way he signs back there. And I think we lost Richard with that. I think we lost Richard. Yeah. yeah. All right. Can you try him again? Yeah. All right. That's that's interesting. I heard that, that click, said, and I <laughs> I heard that click too. That's interesting. That Bryce. When did he say that? Like a couple uh, of weeks back? No, no, no. This is a couple months ago. Meaning, when, when, like just, he's you know, never going to sign back. Right. He just said, you know, he's going to go to free agency. Okay. Well, I know that's that's Scott's preference. Is yeah. Well, to absolutely. Take players through free agency. That's the right that they've. Uh, you know, negotiated for, and uh, we'll see if this works better. Uh, I think we got Richard back. Huh? We got Richard's back. Richard, you're Sorry there. About that. All right. Uh, Craig had alluded to the fact that Bryce Harper said uh, several weeks ago that there's no way he's going to sign back with the Nationals without going through free agency. Right. 
Well, that's the that's what Scott Boris believes, and he sells that to his client. And with all the labor issues in the game, I think it would be important. I think Scott would will tell Anthony it's important to to see what the market is for you. That you you and Garrett Cole are going to be the top two guys, and Scott represents both of them. But I just uh, I mean going through free agency, I guess that means Scott uh, fielding the offers. As far as just getting on a private plane and taking a tour around. I, Anthony is not going to do that. I can assure you that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, but I, if I'm the Nationals, I would like. There, there are always teams that have concerns. Are our offers getting to the players? And when you make offers during the season, I think a lot of teams put letters in the players' locker. And I, I'm not. I mean, there's an ethics issue, and I, I'm not accusing Scott Boris of being. And ethical. My, I guess my larger point is, you, you have to get this done. Yeah. If you're the Nationals, you have to get this done, and it's going to be a big number. And you know, I mean, it's. I, I guess I, just, the qu- I can't imagine you're not going to get this done. I get. I guess at the end of the day, it comes down to how big a number. If if Machado and I think I think Anthony is a better baseball player than, than Bryce. Machado yeah. and and Machado and Bryce. But does he get that much money? Does he in the three hundred million, or is he a guy you could get at two thirty or something like that? Well, I think I think the Rangers will play the, pay the going rate. Okay, and uh, and I don't know what the going rate is. The going rate is how old is Anthony? Is he twenty nine? Uh, yeah, yeah, 20, and yeah. so I mean, going rate is <laughs> five years at. 170 million or something. I don't right, know. Right. I mean, it's a big number. Right. And I know we're going through it here in Houston with George Springer. I think the comp on him would be Paul Goldschmidt. And whatever's happening, they haven't they haven't come to a meeting of the minds, and they're nowhere close apparently on Garrett Cole, who does want to go through free agency, and he has a home in Southern California, and the Angels are a perfect fit. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I look at the season Machado's having, and I, and I look at the trend of his career. And don't get me wrong, I'm not going to get into the position to say I wouldn't want him on my team. Uh, but the amount of money he makes, and he's hitting 265, and his one base percentage is is career wise is like 336. Um, I just think he's a very much overpaid baseball player. Yeah, well, he was 26 years old yeah. when he went into free agency. And you just don't get a chance to get players like Harper and Machado that often in free agency. The best players aren't, most, in a lot of cases, aren't hitting free agency now. So it was a rare opportunity to hit to, to go to your game. And if you're trying to like justify the money, be sensible in the money, that's never going to happen. Andrew Friedman said, the Dodgers guy said last year or a couple of years ago, he said, he said, "If you try to if you try to be logical in free agency, uh, you're going to finish third on every free agent." <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you know, it's it's funny when you think about Bryce Harper and all of that that was going on when you know the off season came around and whether or not the Nats were going to sign him. And and I said at the time, I said, you know, are they a better team with him? I kind of think so, but can they afford to not have him come back? Yeah, I think they can, and boy, have we been proven right with, I mean, because right now Juan Soto at 20 years old is the the, the hottest thing out there, and if you haven't seen Victor Robles throw from center field, you're missing a real treat. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they invested their money 
in, in Bearclaw and in uh, Rosenthal yep. and most notably in Corbin and Sanchez. I mean, yep. they, Harper or no Harper, Mike Rizzo did a tremendous job constructing that team. Now, in hindsight, he didn't do a good job on the bullpen. But at the time, I thought the bullpen was going to be really good. Yeah, I thought... It hasn't turned out. But if they go to the postseason, you're going to get Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg. That's a pretty tough assignment. Hey, I want to ask you a question. Craig and I got into a, a, a back and screaming forth. Screaming match. A sc- well, it was a screaming match, but it was on uh, Facebook. We were texting one another. And, and you know, notice how Richard diagnosed that right off the bat, a screaming match. No, I wasn't a screaming well, match. Well, because he knows both you and yeah, I. Yeah, he does know <laughs> All both caps. Of is it all I'm, caps? All, all caps. Hey, I, I've been playing fantasy baseball for a long time, <laughs> and it seems like almost every time I've got a pitcher on the IL and he comes back after any great length of time on the IL, you, you're dying to use him and to, and to get the, the performance, and it always comes back to bite you. Now, this wasn't a horrible performance the other day, but I'm talking about the efficacy of whether you send a guy down who's been on the DL for nearly a month, uh, and have him pitch that first four-inning game in the in double-A at Harrisburg, or whether you do two sim games and have him pitch in the major leagues. Your thoughts? Who are you talking about? I'm talking about Scherzer. Yeah. I would have sent him to the minors for a, and, and for my, a four-inning outing. But he did two he did two sim games, he right? He did two right. sim games, right. I, thought, I just think – I'm going to – I just think – you only have so many bullets with Max Scherzer during the season, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have him firing them all in game competition in the major leagues. Also, it's just different with Max Scherzer. He's a uh, he's a guy that you you say to him, Max, you ready? And he goes, I'm I'm good to go. <laughs> you don't say, you know, I think I'm going to send you back. No, you just you let him go, and you and you, tr- and you trust him. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. and see, I think the the bullets but that are I don't fired. Know that the bullets anybody, that are fired. How many players would you put in a? conversation with Max Scherzer not many not not many not many but I but I'm talking about all pitchers I've seen and that was a game that you're trying to win against Pittsburgh and granted it's against Pittsburgh but he wasn't his optimum self the other night and that could have been they were just I I don't think they were just trying to get the cobwebs shook off and pray that he woke up the next morning feeling right. decent. And I don't think anybody expected his optimum performance, but he was on a pitch count limit of 75, maybe my, 80 my point at the is absolute most. Yeah, and, and Heisty knows this, that uh, when that you know, when they come in every day and look up the lineup card and it says Scherzer, mm-hmm. it changes the room. No question <laughs> I mean, about it. You're, you're, you're go- you feel like we're, we're going to win today. I mean, I would see it. Roger Clemens' name would be on on the on the line if they going like, "Yep, we're going to win today." So, so a sim game where he's pitching and he's throwing those those bull, those valuable bullets that you say are right. in his arm. How what percentage is he going in that game versus if he goes to Harrisburg? My point was, I would have rather seen him throw one sim game, then go down and pitch in Harrisburg for four or five innings, as opposed to two sim games. Well, yeah, I don't know. I think if you if with Max, if he's going to throw in a game, you want him throwing a game at the big league level. Okay. And a sim game is just to sort of let him work out the kinks. Right. And okay, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Are you okay? If something starts barking, stop <laughs> right now. And I think also they like to have him there for the major league staff to look at every mm-hmm. throw. And, and to say, uh, you right. know, did he grimace on that pitch? All of that stuff. I'll tell but, you. But how. I think because it comes down to, do you trust Max Scherzer or don't you? Yeah, 
I'll yeah. tell you how how uh, realistic that sim game was. The second game, they brought the yeah. boom they brought the boombox out uh, behind <laughs> the mound, turned the music up, let Gerardo Pera hit against him, and they played Baby Shark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. What was uh, Max wearing a uniform? Yeah, yeah, like Absolutely. a regular game uniform. Yeah, yeah, he was out there in a regular game uniform. Yeah, better not be putting that hat backwards, Max. We're gonna find you, <laughs> Richard. Before we let you go, we got about two minutes. The you mentioned the Yankees at one point. Are the Yankees good enough with the starting pitching they have? Uh, on paper, uh, can they win this whole thing? Well, let's say they get Severino back. And then uh, was it Paxton pitched last night? One of the lefties pitched last night was pretty good. Right. So they have guys who've had success. Can they do it getting nothing out of the starting pitcher? No. Nobody's ever done it this way. But having said that, they've had the best record in baseball for the last three months, and the starting pitching has, for the most part, stunk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and but, you know, if you can line up, if you could get Severino, and that's probably unlikely, but you got Tanaka, you got Paxton, Hap, and but like you were talking about, teams not announcing their starters, you're going to go batter by batter <laughs> right, off, right off the get-go, and you have to use eight guys to get through the game. You're going to use eight guys. Well, the X factor in all of that, too, might be CC and whether or not he's able to help them, even if it's just yep. for four or five innings in a game in the postseason. Oh, Lord, if you get four or five innings out of him, they'll throw him a parade. I mean, yeah. the postseason's just different now. You don't you go into it saying, we're gonna, I'm going to manage with my hair on fire. I mean, it's not going to be like where you hand the ball to Jim Palmer and go, uh, we'll see you back at the buffet table. Last thing for me, were you at Cooperstown? I was not, no. but I've been. I, well, I know Boy, that. There? <laughs> no, I'm talking oh. about for the induction. Oh, oh. Moose's oh, induction. Uh, yeah, Moose is I don't know. I, I don't like know. It. I don't know who else got in, Richard, but I know Mike Messina's a Hall of Famer. Well, did uh, <laughs> did he? Have you had any? What, what's been your interaction with him since he got in the Hall of Fame? Uh, I said to him, I tried to get him on my show twice, and he texted me back twice and said that he couldn't do it. He was traveling. Then he came here and threw out the first pitch, and I said, I'm going to call you again. He says, he, and to get you on my show, and he goes, You can call me. I can't guarantee I'm going to go on the show. <laughs> How, what does he do with his days? I, I, you know, he coaches at Montoursville High School, and right. I'm sure his his routine gets a little bit more hectic now because he's a member of the Hall of Fame. But you're not changing Mike Messina that much or yeah, the personality. The, that's the thing. I don't think there's ever been a player as unassuming and as de- decent and just normal as this guy, and nobody's going to get in his way. I mean, yeah. nobody's going to change you who this guy is, you know, like, I can't see him showing up at card shows. Nah, I don't think so, Craig. Nah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just hey. walk up behind him and then at, at his locker and he turn around in front of everybody and go, yes, Craig. Speak, <laughs> speaking of... Yeah, or, Craig, that is not, not in a, the form of a question. Right. <laughs> speaking uh, speaking of the Hall of Fame, Richard, uh, Jeff Idelson has stepped down after yeah. a great run. Uh, your thoughts on his successor, Tim Mead, who used to work for the Angels for a long time in PR. Um, if you, Tim Mead is one of the greatest people I've ever known. One okay. of the most decent person, one of the biggest hearts and one of the finest human beings that has ever graced major league baseball. And the hall of fame is so lucky to get this guy. 
and what Jeff Idelson did in helping the Hall of Fame uh, move forward in terms of fundraising and taking and expanding. Yeah, he did an you know, amazing the, job. The yep. Outrage around around the country with Hall of Fame exhibits. Tim Mead is the perfect guy, and he loves the game like nobody you'll ever know. Did Jeff play a part in finding, you know, figuring out who the right guy was to succeed him? I would think so. I know they had a long, they interviewed uh, quite a few people, right. including some that we know. Right. And uh, I think they were surprised Tim wanted he'd been in Southern California his right. whole life. And basically, his adult life is the Angels. Mm-hmm. You know, like when they won the World Series. It was so personal to a person like Tim, to, to a person like Tim Mead, you know, and those guys he was with, Percival and Salmon and, and all those guys, Troy Glaus. I mean, it was like a family. All right. Well, Richard, always a pleasure to have you on the show. We appreciate it. Do you guys get food catered in the uh, studio? No. No. No, this is a low-budget show. Low-budget <laughs> show. All right. All right. All right. Anything for Heisty, you know that. Stan. I know that. Yeah, well, I know there that. you go. I know that's why I have him ask you. All right, <laughs> Richard, I'll talk to you. Say hi to Marty for me. Okay, thank you. All right, there you go, Richard Justice, and he's one of the best people around. I had no question about it. Uh, the batter round is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Uh, There are some amazing shows continuing at the Live Casino Events Center uh, at Live Casino Hotel this fall, including Funny Man Norm McDonald, Saturday, September 27th. Tickets start at just $29.50 and include $10 in free slots play. Other shows coming to Live Events Center this fall include Grand Funk Railroad, Boz Skaggs at Rescheduled Show, Kenny Babyface Edmonds, Gladys Knight, Michael Bolton, and more. Get your tickets now and find out what's going on by going to LiveCasinoHotel.com. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostaZen.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Put down the pumpkin spice, Baltimore. September in Birdland is all about O's Unlimited, your general admission ballpark pass to every home game in September for just $30. Keep part of it all at Camden Yards. Simply buy your pass at Orioles.com unlimited and instantly receive access to your tickets in the ballpark app. Utah Street's calling, and there's only a select number of ticket passes available. Get yours today. Visit Orioles.com unlimited to buy now. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Slider's Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for baseball season and all things sports, with all of the big events on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more, with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Slider's with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. Slider's, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. See them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit sliders today. 
Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Ken Zalas, KZ here. I am back, and I'll be fulfilling all of your fantasies this season. Well, at least your football fantasies anyway. Pressbox Fantasy Football Show presented by Glory Days Grill every Thursday live at 11.30 a.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports, or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio as I'll help you set your lineups and answer all of your fantasy football questions. It's the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show presented by Glory Days Grill Thursdays at 11.30 a.m. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college football preview. On the cover, Brooks DeBose profiles Maryland football coach Michael Oxley, who finally got his dream job but faces a tough task. Plus, previews for Navy, Towson, Morgan State, and more as well as a preview of the high school football season in the area. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at Press Box. Boxonline.com. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Uh, or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. But I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. All right, we are back on the bat around, and we're going to make our connection with Andy Dolich right now. I uh, want to welcome on board an old sponsor who I guess technically they're going to be a new sponsor starting this week, and that's Glen Burnie Transmissions, the transmission experts in business since 1961. Used to be owned by Marvin Kaiser, uh, who passed away a couple years back. His son-in-law, Mark Schwartzman, does a fantastic job there. They give you free estimates, free diagnosis, free quotes. The phone number for Glen Burnie Transmissions, 855-728-1841. Glen Burnie Transmissions, you'll be hearing a lot, a lot more about Glen Burnie Transmissions in the weeks ahead on this show. All right, joining us right now, along with Craig Heist, I'm Stan the Fan, and we are in the live casino hotel studio, and we're joined by my good friend Andy Dolich, uh, uh, sports business consultant in uh, an extraordinary career in sports business and marketing. How are you, Andy Dolich? Stan and Craig, I'm fine. I'm just sort of envisioning the 
screaming match in all caps on Twitter about something <laughs> completely <laughs> innocuous. That is a way to start the day here in Northern California. Well, well when you've known somebody close to 20 years. But it wasn't and, on Twitter. No, it but was it was on, on Facebook. Facebook. When oh, you've kno- but Andy, when you've Facebook. known somebody. When you've yes, known somebody Facebook. 20 years and you get to know what kind of an opinions, opinions he has, and then you think about it and then you know how much out of his mind he is most of the time, <laughs> you have a tendency to get into large caps on Facebook. <laughs> I, I may scream right now. Um, I, loved, I loved the uh, oxymoron of the day, overpaid baseball player. Yeah. Uh, when you were talking to Mr. Justice, yes. I was thinking about you guys were talking about, you know, should he get three hundred million, or you think he'll be lowballed at two twenty-five? Yeah. When you were- and, yeah. and I was thinking about uh, this is the thirtieth anniversary of the Bay Bridge World Series, yeah. and the A's are doing an event tomorrow. The Giants have done it, um, and the A's, you know, will get to are playing completely out of their head right now. They're playing. But Walter Haas, Walter Haas bought the Oakland A's. From Charlie Finley in late 1980 for $11.2 million. Wow. 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 Yeah. Orioles sold a year earlier in 79 from the Huffburgers to Edward Bennett Williams. Williams bought the team for $12 million, but with $2 million in the bank. So it was really $10 million. It's interesting how close in, you know, size the two markets are, Baltimore and Oakland. And think about how many players today are making ten or twelve million dollars, and baseball fans don't even know their names. Yeah, right. yeah, it's true. How, how much were guys when when you were there uh, with the A's? What Bill North was there, Tony Armas, uh, uh, Carney Lansford may have been there. What what were those guys making back then? I just remember this. I, I came after Billy North, but right. um, our outfield, uh, Dwayne Murphy. That's right, Dwayne Murphy. The Hall of Famer, Ricky Henderson, That's and right. Tony Armas. Right. And in 1981, I could be wrong by a bit here, but their total salaries, total salaries for that outfield it was a million was dollars. less than 250000 And I'll, wow. say, I'll say this like Ricky. Ricky was making a lot of money then. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, that was Ricky had his own language, still has had his own language. Um, probably could still hit two twenty five today. Yeah. Uh if if he played, he has one of those bodies by God. Yeah. Um, but you know, the money is just a major factor in all sports today. I wrote a piece a few weeks ago and the top ten contracts in the NBA long term, one point nine billion dollars wow. for 10 wow. players for wow. 10 players unbelievable yeah. unbelievable uh could you have ever back in those days uh, in the uh, 81 82 in that era could you have ever foreseen that we would get to the point we're at salary wise no i mean but it's been 40 I, years well, yeah. no clearly no but if you look at the way the world has changed and the amount of wealth that's spread everywhere, um, you know, to that question, could I have imagined or anybody imagined that um, the co-founder of Alibaba paid $3.5 billion for the Brooklyn Nets and their arena? And... 
with yeah. asterisk, and he bought the team from a Russian oligarch. Yeah, yeah. If you know, no matter how LSD induced your <laughs> column might be, there's no way a few years ago that you would have written that headline. We're talking to Andy Dolich, longtime sports business, uh, uh, actually an executive in all four major sports and a longtime business consultant now, uh, sports business consultant, and he writes and, and opines all the time about it. Andy, uh, how close from 3,000 miles away have you watched all the machinations in the Masson dispute between the Orioles and the Nationals? I really haven't, but having been involved in broadcast contracts and the way the world is changing in digital distribution, the amount of money, again, I mean, the color of the fluid that flows through sports and entertainment is as green as one can get. And, uh, you know, you look at the Dodgers situation where you're getting a lot of money, but nobody can see your games. But I don't know the details but I'm pretty sure it's the same circumstance of power, distribution, money, and frustration of fans. Yeah, you know, I've never been a great fan of Peter Angelos's, and Peter is, uh, you know, no longer uh, clearly in charge of the Baltimore Orioles. His sons have taken over, and John Angelos is, is doing most of the baseball operations stuff, and his brother Lewis runs the law firm. But, uh, you know, Major League Baseball came into Peter's territory. They ended up doing that. They came into the territory without negotiating the deal first, which seems like a major faux pas on the part of uh, then-Commissioner Bud Selig. But the, the, the nature of that agreement and the dollars involved in that, they were supposed to be Peter's win for allowing a team into his territory. Right, and you see that in in other shared territories, but you get to the circumstance, especially in a league scenario where a rising tide lifts all ships. And if you look at the overall numbers that Major League Baseball has gotten to in terms of all broadcast revenue, it's significant. Um, what Adam Silver and David Stern had done in the NBA. And the number that I just keep getting stuck at, and I believe it's correct, is that the long-term broadcast contracts for the NFL, with a lot of the problems that they have through 2022, is $58 billion dollars. Yeah. So just that, through 2022 that pretty much does away with any problem you might yeah, have. Yeah. Yeah. So money is I mean they just have to throw money at the problem but they haven't solved uh, what seems like the fairness issue in this thing. I understand that nobody could have foreseen what local TV rights would go to, but at the end of the day the profits of Masson that were supposed to be the win for Peter those profits dwindle to next to nothing if you pay rights fees to both teams with the contract, which is what the contract calls upon. In other words, whatever the Nationals' rights fee is, the Orioles have to pay be paid equally and vice versa. Right, and, and they were there. I mean, we can go back historically when it was just the Orioles yep. and not Washington. 
the disputes in, in my marketplace between the A's and the Giants and territoriality, which gave the Giants, you know, a tremendous advantage in broadcast. Um, and you look at, you know, the dwindling attendance to a certain extent in Major League Baseball. Baseball is a story that's told over a long period of time, right? And it keeps you and Craig employed and many other people because it changes every day. Yeah. And if you don't have the proper vehicles of telling that story, newspapers, okay, they don't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> talk shows, thank God they do. Yeah. Digital distribution, streaming, cable, TV. I mean, the Oakland A's are on a radio station in this marketplace that nobody even knows about. Um, it's an ultra-conservative right-wing radio <sighs> station and you think about a baseball audience, probably not. Right. Um, and and so, you know, their attendance, even though they're playing incredibly well, has suffered. Well, that was that was a stadium that never – and, I mean, I've covered series out there and even, even back to the time when I was doing that, and that goes back 20 years, uh, the games weren't very well attended at the Coliseum. They were pretty well attended in the well, years that, that would, Andy was there. I would there. beg to differ only yeah. from uh, the fact that from 1981 to 95, which was really the Haas family ownership and the great teams that we had, especially in the three consecutive World Series of 88, 89, and 90, and I think we won seven division championships and the Bash brothers and Ricky and Carney and and Stu and Eck, we averaged about 2.4 million mm -hmm. uh, for many of those years and got to 3 million very close one year. Um, and the A's are doing half of that right now. And a large part is it is the oldest stadium non-retrofitted in Major League Baseball. It will be the last shared by a football team and a baseball team as the Raiders go to Las Vegas. But um, that market is strong. Um, I'm going to the game tomorrow. They play the Giants. They you, just swept the Yankees. They are you going with four? Are you going with three Pat, out of four from Houston? Are you going with Pat Gallagher and David Rubenstein, or just one of the two? No, I'm going with neither of the two. Okay. I'm going with an attorney uh, who believes that I should be consulting for the A's mm -hmm. in their. In their new stadium, this is a delusional attorney, so right. he's invited me to the game. <laughs> and since they're celebrating the 1989 yeah. World Series team, I didn't get an invitation, incidentally. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be there to celebrate. Hey, tell me about these new series. Uh, I've, I've seen it about five times this year where there's no Friday games. Not I'm not just talking about Oakland, but this weekend the Giants are in Oakland or is it vice versa? It's in Oakland. It's they in played Oakland. In, in San Francisco a week ago. And last night, to that point, when I was home, I turned on the game three times. Right. And there was no game. Right. And I went, uh, is Rod Serling in the house? Is right. this a Twilight Zone? It's yeah. Friday night. It's a weekend series, and there's no game. There's been, there's been about five instances of that in Major League Baseball this year. It's a real oddity in the schedule, and I can't quite – figure out i know there's two game matchups uh on the back end of some of these interleague things but it's just odd very odd. july 4th why play a baseball game on july 4th yeah 
you know, you could have too many people coming, enjoying the game and well, having fireworks. The Orioles, that. the Orioles had July Fourth off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This year, the Orioles were off. So you wanna? I want to hear uh, the commissioner or anybody else explain that logically. Yeah, I, I okay. I'm, I'll wait for it. Um, your thoughts on on this particular commissioner? He's had sort of a a mixed bag tenure, hasn't he? Again, uh, you look at a commissioner's job, and fans, in many instances, believe that the commissioner should be their advocate. Mm -hmm. And every commissioner will tell you that they are, but who employs the commissioner? Yeah, absolutely. And his his main job is to make money for the owners. Exactly. And that is not easily done. You you know, we talked about money right at the beginning. You look at the money commissioners are making. Oh, God. Um, you know, it's fairly significant in in What's the good? large aspect What's of Goodell? the game. I don't know. Goodell's don't making want... 30? Is Goodell making 30? I think they've said with Benny's and private aircrafts and jet fuel, it's closer to 40. Okay, yep. And other than hanging with Jay-Z, which I'm still trying to figure out, um, you you don't necessarily have the commissioner as advocate for the fans because they're not paying them. We're talking with Andy Dolich, a longtime executive in all four major sports, and he's joining us from his home. Is there a Hall of Fame for that, guys? Maybe we should. There's a few colleagues that I have, and maybe, I know historically, but maybe you guys should uh, start a campaign for for that, I'll, and we could bring Rubenstein in as you know. Yeah, well, Rubenstein definitely. Yeah, he's worked in how many sports? He's worked in two sports: hockey and uh, baseball. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but right. you know, back to back to Commissioner Manfred. One of the areas that. You know, I've worked in and believe very strongly is the marketing of the game. And, you know, I, I think baseball has done uh, a nice job attaching themselves to the Little League World Series and some of the campaigns that they're doing to get more and more kids playing because we know that that is uh, being lost in a lot of cities across the country. But I look, again, back here in this market, the A's have one of the best young teams in baseball and at least here and, and part of it is a team decision but you know who knows Olsen, Chapman, Marcus Simeon even you know or Loriano with the laser arm their pitching staff and who I think Bob Melvin is one of the more underestimated uh, managers in baseball totally agree uh, you, you want to talk about that you want to promote that and and you don't, you know, I don't see it. I don't see it here, and I don't see it nationally. Um, and everybody loves to talk about the $300 million deal or the player that doesn't earn it, but I want to talk about the upcoming players, the globalization of the game, and, and I don't see that being done enough by Major League Baseball. We've got about three minutes, Andy, before we've got to say goodbye to you. Uh, we usually have you on because there is some seminal moment in uh, Oakland's quest for a new stadium. 
it seems from a distance that I'm not reading any major speed bumps or blips about their new Howard Park uh, Stadium down at the Oakland, uh, the docks there, or the seaport in Oakland. Is it going on smoothly at this point? or How about this, uh, gentlemen? Breaking news. There is none. <laughs> Don't you love breaking news? Like, yeah. You broke that 1,600 times before right. uh, in the political world. Right. Um, the major news here is that, you're right, it is from 3,000 miles away. It is pretty quiet. Um, the great news is the team's playing well, and that always helps when you're politicking. But the big news is that the A's have made an offer. The, the Coliseum property, where the A's currently play, and which they want to move from, would leave that location with no sports teams. After three, you're gone to zero. That's never right. happened before, I think, in American sports history. And so the A's have made a bid to the county who owns 50% of the property for $85 million. And the city has just, in the last few weeks, said, uh, wait a second, we really have the right to buy that property first from the county okay. in terms of the 150 acres that it can become. Think Mission Bay, China Basin, where the Giants and the Warriors are playing. So that is a bit of a standoff right now. The A's still have a Mount Everest of complexities at Howard Terminal. And the 13 years that we're in right now without a stadium will at least continue for several more. So, so my question is this, are the A's all in on Howard Park and the port in Oakland if they don't get this property, or is it, uh, or is it a contingency basis that they'll move forward with Howard Park if they get the rights to develop that other property? Well, I love the fact that you've named it Howard Park as opposed to Howard Terminal. So Howard Terminal, Saverna I'm Park, sorry. Saverna I'm so- Park has gotten I, into your I play. apologize. It's not, <laughs> it's not <laughs> contingent um, on getting the Coliseum property. And the question, the ultimate question, gentlemen, yes. is John Fisher, who's the owner, has said through Dave Cobble, the president, that they will privately finance the stadium at Howard Terminal. Okay. That number, in many people's estimates, is well over a billion dollars. Okay. Have they come out and absolutely guaranteed that they would do that? No, they haven't. So okay. um, it'll give me a chance to come on as this saga continues, if you choose. Okay. All right. Fascinating. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Enjoy your game at the lawyer at the uh, at the Coliseum tomorrow with the lawyer. And gentlemen, don't argue with each other. Well, There's I'll see what kind of conflict. a I'll see what kind of uh, an issue I can come up with uh, concerning what he's thinking this week, and you know, shout on Facebook a little bit. Uh, I got it. Have a great weekend, <laughs> Andy. One last thing: Oakland Coliseum, before the Raiders moved back there, was a near perfect baseball stadium. It was really a tremendous place. Except for the unbelievable amount of foul territory, which well, everybody in baseball right. screamed about. Every, yeah, but you know what? God bless the A's. They used that to their advantage. Yeah. You know? Uh, yes, we did. And anytime people talk about the Oakland Mausoleum, I get angry and argue in all caps. Well, yeah. it, was, um, it was a great It st- was a great ballpark. You had beautiful views. Yep. 
and to see it sort of bastardized by Mount Davis, which yep. nobody sits in, yep. is hard to stomach. It really is. All right, Andy, thanks. Thanks a million. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys. All right. That there. was a symmetrical place, too. I mean, I used to love the 330 watch down the line, 375 to the alleys, and 400 to center field. But if you went upstairs there, uh-huh. it had a gorgeous oh, absolutely. view. Absolutely. And even, even from the press box, you look out in center field, the San Gabriel Mountains out mm-hmm. in the, yeah. Love that stadium in the old days. But then when the Raiders moved there and they built <laughs> – Mount Davis. Is I covered Andy the Orioles. Pump. I covered the Orioles four pitcher combined no hitter there. You were there that day. I was there. I was also there and covered a series with the Orioles the night that Jose Canseco was traded, traded to, to the Texas Rangers. Yeah, he was they were the, playing the Orioles. Right, right, he was in the on deck circle, and in the bottom of the first inning, all of a sudden you see him leave the on deck circle and mm-hmm. run up the because there is no there is no uh, place in the dugouts that lead to the clubhouses. You had to kind of walk up a runway behind the plate yeah. to get to the clubhouses. You know, Conseco, remember he got hit in the head. In field, Cleveland, in yeah. Cleveland with, yeah. fielding of ball. Was he with the Red Sox? No, he's Rangers? with the Rangers. Rangers. The, time, yeah. the only other guy I've seen hit in the head is DJ Stewart. There you go. Yeah. yeah. All right, but he is hitting. Most importantly, DJ is showing he can do a little something with the bat. Yep. We will take our final time out and be back with a few final words. And during these uh, – these uh this break i've got to tell you about the latest edition of press box it's available now and it's our annual college football that's right college football preview on the cover brooks debose profiles maryland football coach mike loxley who finally got his dream job but faces a tough task plus previews for navy towson morgan state and more as well as a preview of the high school football season in the area. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Also have to tell you about the last homestand of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. That's right. They've got three more home games coming up this this week on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday against the Brooklyn Cyclones, all three games are 7.05 start times. Um, Aberdeen Iron Baseball. You won't see Adlai Rutschman anymore, but you'll see some really good baseball there and have a great time, including Friday night fireworks. But check it out on ironbirdsbaseball.com. Ken Zalas, KZ here. I am back, and I'll be fulfilling all of your fantasies this season. Well, at least your football fantasies anyway. Pressbox Fantasy Football Show presented by Glory Days Grill every Thursday live at 11.30 a.m. Watch at Facebook.com slash Sports, or you can listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio as I'll help you set your lineups and answer all of your fantasy football questions. It's the Pressbox Fantasy Football Show presented by Glory Days Grill Thursdays at 11.30 a.m. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Jerry's Tire is located in Baltimore City, just steps away from Little Italy and historic Jonestown. Jerry's not only sells all the major brand tires like Bridgestone, Michelin, and Continental, but is your go-to shop for everything from oil changes to factory scheduled maintenance. 
All repairs are backed by a nationwide warranty. The team over at Jerry's has been serving the Baltimore area for over 62 years and are eager to earn your business. Give them a call at 410-685-4330 or visit them online at jerrystires.com to shop for tires and schedule an appointment. That's Jerry's, G-E-R-R-Y-S, tires.com. I like world-famous chicken. You like world-famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms world-famous chicken's always fresh, never frozen. Because it's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices. Because it's cooked on the spot, right in the store. And because it's the juiciest, best-tasting chicken on the planet. That's why everyone likes Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Western fries, too. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. This is Ross Grimsley with a reminder to all my baseball friends out there that I'm now part of the Press Box podcast team. Catch my take on the O's and whatever's going on in this great game of baseball. We'll also touch base with some of my old friends and teammates. Tune in every Tuesday morning or listen anytime at PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college football preview. On the cover, Brooks DeBose profiles Maryland football coach Michael Oxley, who finally got his dream job but faces a tough task. Plus, previews for Navy, Towson, Morgan State, and more as well as a preview of the high school football season in the area. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at Press boxonline.com The Smokehouse Barbecue Bacon Sandwich has come to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. A boneless breast of chicken marinated with a special blend of seasonings and grilled for a tender and juicy backyard grilled taste served on a toasted buttered sweet yeast bun with Colby Jack cheese, bacon hand-tossed in a brown sugar and pepper blend, and green leaf lettuce. Topped with zesty Smokehouse Barbecue Sauce, have it with their real lemonade and the famous Chick-fil-A waffle fries for a late summer meal that satisfies. Nobody waits for food unless they choose to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers the super fast service you count on. Dine in, drive through, or pre-order with your Chick-fil-A app, and it'll be ready when you get there. Plus, if you use the Chick-fil-A app, you automatically accrue points for free food. There's no better time for Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square than today. 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Catering available. Well, we are back on this Saturday, August the 24th, and before we uh, leave the airways, we're already five minutes past our usual out time of 12 o'clock, but it is a very uh, sad anniversary in Birdland today. Yeah, Clark, yeah it is. This is the uh, eighth anniversary of the death of Mike Flanagan, and uh, uh, ironically enough, it happens on the same day that Cal Ripken uh, his is celebrating his birthday. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was a very, very stressful day for a lot of us in the media because we kind of knew what was going on. We really didn't – because let's – you know, everybody wants to be first, but that is a story that no one wants to break. And uh, I happened to be working at WTOP at Nats Park in the afternoon drive, 
and I knew about the story, and, uh, you know, I spent three hours, maybe three and a half hours tracking it all down. Yeah. And you you knew you could go with it, but uh, until you didn't want to, and well, but until the police identified that yeah. officially as Mike Flanagan, we couldn't say anything. Yeah, just a very sad day. I remember I I don't remember the exact time. We <clears> usually <throat> taped at Channel Two at eight o'clock on Tuesday nights. Mm -hmm. I think it was a Tuesday. Some some nights we were some weeks we were Wednesday, but whatever it was, I know I was at WMAR. And I usually got there between 7.15 and 7.30, and somebody called me up, and I'm wondering if it was you. Might have been me. Yeah, it may have been you, and I went to Jamie Costello, and he was blown away. And I remember calling Steve Jeppe, mm -hmm. and, I, and then I called Joe Foss, who I knew Joe was a, a dear friend of Mike's, and uh, they we were all just saying how blown yeah. away we were and then and, and the minnesota toy the orioles are playing the twins in the metrodome yep uh and uh one of the saddest days as an oriole fan. yeah it really was you know it might have been even target field to be honest with you i think it was probably new at that point but uh i have vivid memories of jim palmer just absolutely you know yeah. choking up and things I mean, of not, that nature not to go down the history of it but i put it up there some of the days that stand out to me, the day that Tim Hewlett's son was yep. run over by a car, the day Officer Phil Farise died. Mm -hmm. And remember the, the uh, was he an usher? Somebody, or no, he was a police officer. It was run over by the kid who was on PCP or right, something. Right, that was right. a police officer. Yeah. Uh, those are some of the saddest days at the ballpark uh, when you lose somebody that you've been and, close and, to. And that you see every, every and, day. And the one thing you re always remember about Mike Flanagan, besides being uh, a Cy Young Award winner in 79 yep. with 23 wins and all the accomplishments with the Orioles, but the one thing you always remember about Mike Flanagan was the driest sense of humor you will ever, ever see yep. out of almost anyone. Yep, no question about <laughs> Fabulous. it. Fabulous. Anyway. Sad, sad day, and a better day to remember Cal Ripken's yep. 59th birthday today. Many thanks to Griffin Bass for hanging in with us uh, this week. Yeah, thank you. Things oh, run smoothly when this guy runs Well, you the know show. what, and we also have to, there's one other thing I wanted to mention today yeah. before we get out of here. Happy birthday. Happy to, birthday. To Brittany Everett. Today is her Today birthday. is her birthday. Wow, she and Cal. So, Ripken. Mom, if you're listening, tell Britt we said hello. I wonder when she met Cal, because she met Cal about two at, months at Maroon, ago right, at Maroon yeah. PR. Did she tell him we uh, got we the same birthday? Say, I don't know. I'm sure he would be impressed, Cal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, O's play the, um, the Tampa Bay Rays 7.05 tonight. Alvarado versus Means. Alvarado will most likely pitch one inning and 2.20. Uh, it is Joe Ross versus Jose Quintana. Right, and Alvarado will pitch one inning and then mess up my scorebook for the rest of That's the night exactly with right. pitching changes. All right. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your week. Glenn Clark in Monday, uh, Ross Grimsley on Tuesday morning, and we got new shows galore. We'll keep telling you all about them. Ken Zalas on Thursday as part of the Glenn Clark Show at 1130. We'll do his uh, fantasy football uh, preview each week. All right, that's it. Have a great weekend.